Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Working in Hollywood as a creative professional, well, it can be a blessing and a curse. On the one hand, the freedom to express yourself and tell stories that motivate, inspire, and entertain others, well, that can be a dream come true. But on the other hand, the pressure of having to create on a grueling daily schedule can lead to doubts, insecurities, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism, especially the days when you're just not feeling it, all of which can lead to feeling out of balance and out of control. Been there, done that, still living it. Now, there's nobody who knows this dichotomy better than my guest today, Mark Gant. Mark is a multimedium visual and performance artist. He has worked in the industry as a graphic artist, a painter, a prop master, a photographer, an actor, a producer, and a director, and I've probably missed like five other things. He is best known for co-creating, writing, producing, and starring in Crackle's groundbreaking, streamy, award-winning series, The Bannon Way. And by the way, if you're a longtime listener, you may already recognize that title because it is where I got my start in editing scripted television. Now, it wasn't an easy ride to success by any means. And by the way, if you ask Mark, which I did, he still struggles to call himself successful to this day. There were many moments that he wanted to give up on his passions and quit, and there were more moments when he wasn't even sure what his passion was after veering so far off the path, a path which includes countless drinking benders and cocaine, all of which we're going to get into. This episode is a conversation about persevering in times of doubt and failure. We candidly discuss how it really feels to fail and what it takes to dig deep, forge ahead, and make shit happen in your career, no matter the obstacles but most importantly, without sacrificing the most important people in your life along the way. Before jumping right into today's interview, however, I am excited to share with you a new addition to the podcast. Well, actually, I'm kind of resurrecting it from years of slumber, which is the Q&A episode. It has been a long time since I did an informal question and answer show, and I plan to do them on a monthly basis going forwards. 
But here's the thing. I can't do answers without the questions. And that is where I need your help. If you enjoy this podcast and you have specific questions that you would like me to address on the show, it is super simple. All you have to do is visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast and then select the Apple Podcasts app, subscribe, then write a quick and by the way, an honest review in the Apple Podcast app. At the end of your review, leave your question and I will do my best to not only answer your question in depth, but I'm also going to give you credit on the show. How cool is that? And the more reviews that we can amass, the better placement we get from Apple and the more creative professionals that you and I can inspire to do what they love for a living without having to sacrifice their health, their relationships, or their sanity in the process. All right, without further ado, my conversation with writer, director, and producer, Mark Gant. I mean, I definitely, I definitely think, you know, um, not waiting for permission and, you know, you know, creating what it is that you creating your own life, you know, your own career for yourself to the, to the extent that you can. So I guess, um, you know, it's so funny. It's like, my life is like changing a little bit where it's just like, I just feel like I'm on a ride at Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's like, I can, I can go like this as much as I want, but it's like, eh, it's, you know, I'm, you know, it's all sort of going away, but, but I put myself on a path. And I said, I guess, you know, part of that is just, you know, listening to your inner voice about what you're supposed to be doing and, and following that and, you know, getting from there, are you willing to just take those, those, those actions every day towards that and, and not worry about the result. You sound like you'd be a good fit for this podcast interview. Uh, I, I, I can see some alignment in all the things that we're going to talk about. So on that note, uh, we're just going to jump right into the interview. Uh, and I'm here today with Mark Gant, who uh, is best known for co-creating, writing, producing, and starring in the groundbreaking Crackle series, streamy award-winning called The Bannon Way. For anybody that's listened to this podcast, they might be like, huh. The Bannon Way. That sounds somewhat familiar. I'm pretty sure that's where I got my big break, too. So for anybody wondering how I found this guy, it's because you and I have known each other for a long time. And we came up in uh, very similar areas where we were just kind of sort of trying to, to break in and get noticed. And we knew that we could do it, but nobody was giving us a shot. And then we put everything that we had into the Bannon Way and we were in the trenches together for months and months. And then shit just started to happen. Right. <laughs> Just got kind of crazy. But beyond you being the actor, writer, producer, extraordinaire, you've also been a painter and a graphic designer and you're a podcaster and you're a coach. And there's a million and a half other things that I could add to that list, but we only have like 60 to 90 minutes and I probably wouldn't get through all of them. So my first <laughs> question for you, and it's really just more research for me because I have the same problem. When you talk to somebody in real life and they say, what do you do for a living? How the hell do you answer that question? Wow. I mean, I guess it depends on the day. I mean, you know, I, 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 it's so funny because uh, for the longest time, I struggled with being a multi-hyphenate by having these different hats that I would wear. And, you know, the, I would say that, you know, so many people um, have told me along the way, uh, pick one, just pick one, dude. It's way easier just to pick one, focus. That way nobody has to, you know, figure out what it is you do. And I can tell you there's times in my life where I've just like, okay, I'm going to focus just on the acting. Oh, I'm just going to focus just on the writing. I'm just going to focus just on the directing. I'm going to focus just on producing. And, you know, each time I've done that, it's, it's stifling. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's the right thing to be doing. Um, now, you know, so, so when people ask me, what do I do at the, at the moment, you know, sort of as my career is sort of morphing and stuff, I definitely feel like I'm a writer director who also produces 
who also has a podcast, who also coaches. And, and that's, that's where I'm at right now. But it is, it's, I gotta say, that's like one of the biggest things when I talk to people who want to, who are actors and want to write and direct or who are like directors, but haven't written anything before. Like there are all these different things I want to be doing. How do I, you know, do I have to pick one? And I say no, because, you know, I mean, who knows what you're supposed to be doing or how you're supposed to be doing or how each one of those can influence something. And I can easily say now that, you know, over the course of my career and my life, all the stuff that I've, you know, failed at and, you know, succeed, perceived succeeded or perceived failed at, all those things have uh, informed the choices that I'm making today creatively, you know? Um, and so, you know, uh, all, all those things together, you know, make me who I am. So I don't know, you know, it's just what, exactly what do I say? I don't even, you know, it's like, what am I, what am I doing today? You know? Yeah. We, we creatives, we're a frustrating bunch to deal with because yeah, right, I'm, right, I'm the right. same way. And I've been told the same thing by people like, can't just, just be an editor. Like what's a, why do you need the podcast and this or that? Or, you know, like just, you, you got to pick a lane. And I just don't believe that. Like if, if in your heart of hearts that you want to do all of these different things, then great, do all of them. But I do think that one of the things that's helpful that I've uh, taught to a lot of my students that I've also had to learn myself, you don't have to pick one, but you, you probably should pick one next for at least a little while. Well, what's next? Well, next could be for the afternoon. It could be for the next week. It could be for the next three to six months. It really depends on the goals that you set. I do think that it's helpful to pick one or two lanes at the most at a time. And I know that for you, there were times when it was, it's all in on the acting, then it's all in on the directing, or it's all in on the podcast. But I do believe that you're really, really stifling yourself creatively if you force yourself to do what you said, which is a scary word. The easy way is to just pick one because yeah, it might be the easiest, but can you imagine if you had all the success in the world as just an actor because you picked that one lane, but you couldn't do all of the other amazing things that have had the impact that you've no. done? No, no, no way. But I agree. You know, there has to be a focus. And, you know, I'm, I know you don't know anything about focus. No, I never. But, I'm, I'm uh, a, what squirrel? Yeah, what? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. We're here today um, with Mark Gant. Oh, wait, sorry. I lost, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Yeah, you know, but, but, you know, I think there is an importance to, you know, having some sort of set plan, even if it's like six months to a year that I'm focusing on these, these tasks, these, these goals so that I can, so that I can achieve some sort of self-confidence in whatever it is that I'm doing. I know you talk a lot about that stuff too, with, you know, like even, the, you know, assistant editing to editor, you know, how, you know, what, what are those, what are those skills that you need to have? Like, are you doing that? Are you taking, you doing all those different things to, to build your skill set, your resume and, you know, do that stuff. So it's not as easy as saying, oh yeah, do it all. Because, you know, doing it all, you know, you'll be, there's a chance that you're not going to have that success in any of those things. And, 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 and I'm sure that you and I, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe there's somebody that, you know, knows us really well. And they could say, yeah, you know, I know you want to do it all, Mark, but really focus, you know, like I know you, you know, <laughs> and there may be just a little bit of that. And I think, I definitely think for myself right now, the, you know, I've, I've I definitely see that, you know, the acting thing was something that was so great for me to do and I enjoyed doing it, but it really sort of informed a lot of the other things that I'm doing now. So it makes me a better director, makes me a better writer, better coach, you know, you know, it allows me to understand sort of both sides of the camera, both sides of a listener, both sides of a viewer, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and I, and I would say the same thing too, when it comes to this idea of doing it all, my response is always, I know I can't do it all now, but I'm going to eventually. 
just, <laughs> right, just give right, me time, right? right? And I know that when I don't, I guarantee I'm not going to do it all eventually. What I don't want to do is look back and say, yeah, but I didn't do certain things out of fear because I was afraid, right? And I just, I refuse to let that happen. American Ninja Warrior is the perfect example. I just knew, oh. like, ever, so many people have said, oh, you got to try that. And there was this big pit in my stomach, like, but that's scary. And it's so out of my comfort zone. But the scarier thing was I'm 90 years old and I'm thinking, why? Why didn't I at least try? And I have yeah, failed yeah. spectacularly so far, but I've tried and there's no fear and there's no regret, right? right? So that's why when I say I know that I won't get it all done eventually, but I will shoot for that as the goal, I'm never going to look back and say, well, I wanted to try the coaching thing or I wanted to try the Ninja Warrior thing or I wanted to develop my own shows, but I was a pretty successful editor and I, I guess I'm going to have to be okay with that. Like, F that. No, 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 no I can't. I can't do it. So the, the one thing I will go even deeper into that I think is really important for people to understand, if somebody said to me at a party, if I were to answer the same question that you did, if I were going to be really honest and they said, what do you do? I would say, I inspire people to step outside their comfort zones to reach their greatest potential. And they would look at me and they'd be like, I'm sorry, what? No, no. What do you do for a living? But that's the deeper why underneath whether it's editing or coaching or podcasting or Ninja Warrior, what's yours? Because you do the graphic design and the posters and the directing and the hoiven and the flavin. You do it all, but there's one reason why you're doing it all. And I'm really curious as to what drives you. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. It's it's not dissimilar to you. You know, I, I enjoy inspiring others. You know, part, part of my journey is I just celebrated 33 years of sobriety. And uh, it is something, you know, mental health and recovery is something that's been a big part of my life. And from being a teacher to, you know, just being on set, you know, I feel like my responsibility, you know, like I said, as a director is to inspire everybody to be their best. You know, I'm only as good as everybody else is around me. You know, if it's my project or not my project, if I'm showing up to do a job, I'm only as good as the next person. And so to inspire people and, you know, and part of that, you know, to inspire people to, to live their dreams, you know? And so for, you know, I'm, those are those, as, as I'm meeting people, as, as I'm creating projects, you know, it's how do I entertain? How do I inspire? How do I, you know, motivate people to see that they're not limited just by their circumstances, by their, thinking, you know, by their outside circumstances. And so, yeah, that's, that's sort of my thing. What I think is hilarious. I probably should have brought this up earlier, but I just remember now listening to this. People need to understand how you and I met. Do you remember how we met? Uh, You probably don't even remember, do you? Uh, Craigslist? We met on Craigslist. Yeah, we did. (laughs) I was desperately unemployed and out of work, and I would do anything just to make a hundred bucks off Craigslist. I didn't care. And there you were as well with your uh, your directing and writing partner, Jesse, had a credit card, and you shot a few minutes of this pilot. And you're like, we need somebody to help us get this thing off the ground. So the and th- this is going to lead to where I want to go next. But the fact that you and I have so much in common and we met on Craigslist of all places, there's something about how the universe happens. And you're already smiling because yeah. you know where I'm going. because we've <laughs> yeah. had this conversation a hundred times, but there's this thing that my students in my program call the woo-woo factor. And you and I have had at least 15 to 20 conversations about this thing called the secret. Yeah. Right. 
So let's talk a little bit more about this thing that we cannot explain or understand. But the fact that you and I found each other on Craigslist, we have all these things in common. We have such aligned, deeper wise. And then the other weird tangent to all of this is that randomly, like two, three years ago, we show up at the like same jetway at an airport. Just randomly. Like, how yeah. does that, you think about the sheer math of that happening and we just yeah. found each other at the perfect time and reconnected. Like, let's just go into some of these private conversations we've had about this thing called the yeah. secret and the woo-woo factor. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, I, I have no explanation for it. I mean, there's no like, like real way to be able to say, oh yeah. I mean, and I guess this is like, I guess this is like the the, the bigger thing as, you know, as you were um, talking about that. It's like, it's easy for me to say, oh yeah, set some goals, take this action, you know, and then, you know, follow your bliss, you know, go for the thing, you know, because, you know, there is this other part, there's this thing that, you know, that I believe that we're all connected, you know what I mean? That there's a connection that we all have. And so if we continue to put ourselves on the field, you know, in the arena, if you're, if you're constantly putting yourself in there, I mean, you and Tony, I mean, it's like all those things, like, how do you find yourself in these, you know, in these situations? There, there has to be something that we're listening to, some inner inner guidance that's saying, you know, do this, you know? And, and I think that's some one of the things I'm sort of going off a tangent here, but this is like where I am today is that for so long, um, I'm a hustler. That's what I do. I hustle, you know? And, and what does that hustle look like? It's networking, you know, Gladwell said, I'm a connector, you know, I, I connect people. I love doing that. I love being able to do that. And so, but also that's helped me get work. It's got me, you know, opportunities out of the blue and, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, you, you're, and our stories are so similar years with, you know, burn notice, so, by the way, just, uh, was just on a zoom with Alfredo. He's going to be doing a movie. Oh my and, God. That's uh, amazing. Talking, what a small world. Lit, yeah. And he was literally just going like, all right, so, um, how can you walk me through like, you know, your prep for a movie? And I'm like, wait, you're like a showrunner. You're like, <laughs> you directed already. You've already, what do you, he's like, yeah, but not a movie. You're done a movie. And it's like, that's, what's so amazing is to be able to give back to him, to be able to like share my experience with somebody who's was, who, it could be on paper, somebody that's like, he's up here and I'm down here. But instead, it's just like, no, nah, man, we're just two artists, you know, on the journey together, you know, staying connected over 10 years. And so to the point where he was, you know, co-showrunner on Brian's show on six, you know, it's like all those little, like these little pieces, you just go, no accident, no accident, no accident, no accident. Oh, so what I was going to say is just real quick to say that like right now I'm in that place where there's a lot of those actions I, I was taking that were potentially out of fear, potentially out of like, I'm going to miss my, my opportunity. And, and a lot of those, those actions, you know, they feel like the, the, the examples you share about an email, you know, that's like, Hey man, love your work or whatever. You know what I mean? Like and misspell their names and the whole, you know what I mean? It's like out of this aura, you know, constantly over communicating, over sharing with somebody that I'm not that connect connected with because I'm, I so eagerly want that to happen, you know? And so today it's much more guided. I just, you know, I sort of, you know, if it feels like there's, ang there's anxiety about it, not in a, this is uncomfortable to put myself out there, but an anxiety of like, I need this. Like, this is perfect. When I, when I say this is perfect because this, 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 and this, and this, that to me is like danger, Will Robin, <laughs> danger, because like, that's always like me trying to control and manipulate a situation. And 
and and what happens then is like you know I can feel out of place. I'm willing to you know sort of stretch the truth and put myself in, in circumstances that don't make me feel so good. So today I'm really much more in a place of you know putting myself out there in a very authentic authentic way. And if I don't know how to do something, I'm going to tell that person. You know, but I but these are the things I can do. And this is how I can, you know, you know, do this job, but I'm not going to lie and say I've done this thing kind of thing. Right. And uh, one thing to, to give you a little bit of glimpse into my process, by the time this is published, this may not be the case, but I always think about what's the title of this episode going to be? I'm trying to put a title before I even have the conversation. So I have a direction and I'm pretty confident that somewhere in the title of this episode <laughs> is going to be making shit happen. Because if there ever was anything that encapsulates why I wanted to talk to you and who you are, it's about this idea that you make shit happen, which to many people sounds like the opposite of this idea of the secret, which is why I brought it up. I've had this conversation countless times with my students where they'll say one of two things. Oh, you know, this this whole woo-woo thing and the universe just being there and it all being connected is all a bunch of crap. You just gotta put your nose to the grindstone and do the work. And then you've got the other camp, which is, no, you just, you put your thoughts and ideas into the universe and the universe will hear you and you create your vision board and it will happen. And I say, you're both right and you're both wrong. You gotta have both. You gotta have a vision board, whether it's a real thing or it's in your head, you gotta have these goals and you gotta make the effort to make it happen, right? It's it's the, the sweet spot of finding both of them and you're the perfect example of how to make it happen. And when I go a little bit deeper into this idea that you said earlier, I think if there ever was a, a takeaway or a theme for this is this idea of these fears and the, these limiting beliefs. And I want you to take me back to when you used to wait for permission to do things. Cause you're not doing that anymore, but for a long time you were like everybody else, I have to wait until somebody tells me I'm an actor or wait until somebody says you're ready to direct. So talk to me about that time when you were dealing with those fears and waiting for permission. Okay, so uh, I will. And, 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 and I also wanted to say, and I've talked about this a lot, uh, my wife and I talk about this a lot is like, for me, I still wake up every morning and the voices are, they, first of all, they've changed. They got smarter and they're, you know, they're not the, the normal you're a piece of shit. You're not going to get what you want, blah, blah, blah. They're just, you know, they're like, oh, you know, you should have, you could have, why didn't you, you know, oh, let's go on Instagram and look at that person's career and see what they're doing. And just like, do the, so it's like, there's, it's, there's always that opportunity for me to embrace that negative thinking. But, you know, it's now I can get aside and, and, and clear my clear my head and move forward. But there were times where it was that's all I thought about. And so I, I can specifically say that when I started acting and I was in an acting class and the teacher was Mum Cassellis at Beverly Hills Playhouse and I was doing really good and I was having some great success and hear little parts here and there and, you know, but I was I was watching him direct and I was like stage managing and assisting him. and. I found myself just like watching as a director. It was like, oh my God, like I'm, yeah, I'm watching Giovanni Ribisi act, but like Giovanni Ribisi is like, I, I can't like learn from him as an actor. It's like, he's just genius, you know? And then like, you know, like I'm, but I can watch how he's directing him and things like that. So I came to him and said, you know, I don't want to act anymore. I think I just want to direct, you know? I said, I enjoy directing scenes and stuff. And he said, well, he wrote down, he wrote, he wrote down something and he's like, hands me this, you know, puts up this notepad that says actor and there's a line down the middle and then director. He said, you can only pick one. You can't pick, you can't do anything else. What do you pick? I said, director, hands down. He said, all right. He's like, I think you can do both, but 
if you pick directing and not the acting and don't confront the stuff you're not confronting in your acting, it'll come up in your directing. So I want you to do, look at these scenes, do this work for me. And, you know, let's go from there. The next week he pulled together this like small group of actors from, from the school that were in the advanced class, master class, but hadn't like got to the place in their careers they wanted. And he wanted to know like, what's going on? Like, why aren't you getting the teaching? Why aren't you getting to the next level? And so he, we were all sitting there and he said, Mark, what's your deal? Why aren't you where you want to be? And I was just looking at him. Like, I didn't know. And he said, uh, he's like, so, you know, why is your acting career not where you want it to be? And I was like, uh, and I just, I broke into tears. I said, because I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm a good enough actor. Cut to, you know, 18 months later, 27 scenes later, I'm sitting on stage and I'm looking at the class and I'm like, I'm a fucking actor. And I had done 27 scenes. I had put the work in, I had failed. I had like, you know, got up, failed, you know, found that truth, found that purpose, found that inner inside thing. And soon after that was just within a month after that, I was in a class, same class, same class, different teacher on Barton. He was talking to my scene partner about her sister who's famous and she can't, she doesn't have the career she wanted. And he said, you know, you just got to build your own door to walk through it. He was talking to her, but I heard it. And I was like, yeah, I've done like all this production work. I've directed shorts. I know how to make a movie. Why am I waiting? I've got my foot in the door. Like this little crack of the door as an actor, the back door is open. And my friends are going, Mark, come on in, dude. Come on in. Yeah, just make something. And then that's how, you know, I wrote that night on the wall. I said, today on my, on my uh, whiteboard, I said, today I stopped fighting. And that's when I wrote down three directors' names that were writer-directors. Jesse Warren was the first person. And I was like, these are three guys that want to work with me. They talk to me about working with me. And... Let me see if I can create something with them, create a vehicle for myself. And that was that process. And, you know, that whole situation definitely took me into a place of going through fear, you know, all those different things. But seeing at the end of it, just you're like, oh, wow, like this is possible. You know, there's I mean, there's obviously more to that story of us together, finally getting to you and I. But there was that was that was a big part of it. It's like putting in the work, willing to fail, willing. And that was part of it. It's just like. I really wanted to quit. Like I was willing to just switch to directing because I just thought that was just going to be the easier thing to go to. And for me to be able to show up and hard scenes and fail and have them go, don't believe you. I don't believe you. You know, what's going on? You know, and to get to the point where he, he's basically said nothing. He just turned to the class and said, anybody have anything to say? <laughs> you know, and I was like, wow. So... My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from ErgoDriven co-founder and CEO Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found 
bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're gonna invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life, they're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. What that really comes back to is something that I think every single creative person suffers from. Their entire career, no matter where they are, is imposter syndrome. And this is something that I have suffered from myself for my entire life. And all the students that I talk to, they suffer from the same thing. And I have been doing a deep dive to figure out what is the solution to imposter syndrome? How do you overcome it, right? And I'm not a, not a doctor, not a, you know, an academic. And I've actually spoken to academics and talked to them about this exact subject because that's how I learn. Um, but really what I've come to understand is exactly what you talked about. You identify the imposter syndrome. You know that the fear is there but you just start chipping away at it. One swing at a time, over and over and over. You do your scene, all right, it sucked, but it was a little bit less shitty than it was the time before. And then you do it again, and then you do it again. And then one day you stand on the stage, you're like, I'm a fucking actor, right? But it takes a long time to get there and you right. have to both confront the fear, but also you have to be willing to embrace failure as part of the process. And I think that's where so many people get stuck is they say, well, I'm not made for this or I'm not good enough, so why should I try? As opposed to that's exactly why you should try and try more and try harder because eventually you're gonna work through it. And like people are thinking, oh yeah, well, maybe that's how you felt 20 years ago, but now you're on Cobra Kai and this and that. Let me just tell you a little bit, a little story. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I haven't even told this story yet, but you're bringing it out of me because, you know, you're you're being super honest. I'm going to be super honest. So I did not do well on my first season on American Ninja Warrior. I did not do well at all. And I've been spending months trying to dig in and figure out what is it that happened? Well, was it my placement of the hand on the rope or I should have jumped off the left foot or the right foot? I know that it's none of those things. The reason that I failed and didn't reach the potential that I know that I have for this sport is because I was on that set thinking to myself, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I got here. This is a cool experience. I don't belong. And they're going to figure out that I'm a fraud. This was not 20 years ago. This was like three months ago. And to this day, I'm still trying to figure out how do I show up on that set again and say to myself, I belong here. This is for me. 
right? I'm doing all the exercises and the pushups and the pull-ups and the laches and everything, but it's still, how do you get to that switch where you stand on the stage and say, I'm a fucking actor. And I can say, I'm a ninja, damn it. And I belong here on that journey as we speak. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is. And, and I think that's where, when we, as, as we first started talking about, it, there is this thing that you can't, I can't explain. I can't, I can't put into, I can't package this up and say, this is how you figure out you can get over this imposter syndrome by just doing this. Like I do, I really do believe there has to be this willingness to trust the process and to, to fail. You know, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's like, I, I go from, I was recutting my, my new director's reel and this producer was helping me because she felt she was really, you know, she believed in me and she wants to want to help me. And, uh, She's like, you know, we're, we have all these, like all these single things that you've done, but I want to, you know, I want to get your feature stuff in something with all these other pieces. And, and she's, and so she, we, she's like, I've got the editor, this is the guy. And so we, you know, we get on the zoom with him and we're talking and, and, uh, she's like, so this is Mark, Mark is this guy. And then she just goes on launches into the most amazing guy she ever wanted to work with as she's ever worked with like my all like every quality that I didn't even know that I had like the way she just like she described me like like how I want to be feeling about myself and it was and I got on the phone with her and we talked we called and I just said I just that blew me away what you said how you described me she goes it's all true she's like that's what I see that's what you show up with that's how you that's how you show up to set so whether or not that you know that, you know, and I would, I definitely would say the last three or four times showing up as a director, there was, there was something that happened and, and, and I'll, and I'll say this, you know, to you, I mean, this is not your thing necessarily, but you know, what has helped me is it, it's not about me, like I'm being of service. And so, you know, for you being on American Ninja, you're being of service, you're being of service to the, the audience, to your people, to your family, to yourself of like, just, you know, we're here to be, we're a part of this whole thing. And you weren't supposed to do what you, you weren't supposed to get there this first time. That's exactly your journey. That's exactly, everything happens for a reason. So like you, you couldn't have got there. You can't find that thing until you've gone there. Now you're going to get to that next thing. It's like, oh, right. I've already done it. Now I can get it. Oh, this is here. There was a, there was actually this one little thing, whatever it is, you know what I mean? That I sort of, who knows, maybe it's something that you didn't take care of in your life that you needed to handle, you know, some resentment, some BS that, you know, something with somebody that you needed to, you know, I don't know you, who knows. I mean, that's the thing. It could be just one little, it's the, it's the, it's the sliver in the giant's thumb or something, you know, it's just like, we don't know until we are willing to look until we're willing to like do it and then look at it and go, okay, wait, something's not working. Something's got to change. And I, I, you know, as, as you're looking at it, it's, it's not outside, you know, it's not the, it's not the competition. It's not the way they rigged that thing. It's not your trainer. It's not the way that you, you know, it's like, it's something inside of us. And, you know, the only way we can get through it is through it. <laughs> There's no easy way around that. Yeah. And the, the way that I will always reframe failure and it's really hard in the moment because man, like it, when I told the story to, to my brother, um, he had, you know, been watching the, the videos on social media and heard about like, he knew three and a half years ago when I declared this goal, um, and they hadn't heard what happened. And I explained to them what happened and he just laughed. He's like, 
oh my God, all that training and all that time and money for nothing? I'm like, no, it was exactly the opposite. That was one viewpoint. I'm like, that's fine. But the assumption was, well, you did that, you failed, so now you move on. And my response is very different. And what's interesting, and this is one of the things I talk about in another podcast with one of the world's foremost experts and researchers on limiting belief and the chatter in our head and the voices that we hear, uh, was uh, my episode with Ethan Cross, and we can put a link in the show notes. Um, but it's this idea, first of all, that you can hear somebody else talk about you, and you're like, that's amazing. But you can never talk about yourself that way. But if I were to ask you the question, and I've done this to students, and it's amazing what happens. If I said, I want you to explain all of your best virtues. Oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty good director and designer, but you know, I've got so much to learn. But if I said, describe to me Mark Gant in third person, you'd sound a lot more right. like that other person, right? Right. And I did uh, Ninja with a really good friend of mine who I met through the whole Ninja journey. And he also failed very, very early. And he was like supposed to be going to like Vegas finals. Like he's done it four or five years. Like He's legit, right? And to me, I was like, oh my God, like I just failed. This is so embarrassing. But then when it happened to him, immediately I was in coach mode. And he's like, oh, I'm just, I, how can I do this anymore? Like I've let my family down and I, I quit, I'm done. I'm like, dude, you've got two choices right now. Either you've worked this hard to get here and the end of the story is you failed on this obstacle and you suck. <laughs> or this is just going to be a really, really good part of a much better story when you succeed. Mm -hmm. Choosing yeah. to move forwards or not is a choice. What happened here, it is what it is. You can choose to react however you want. But the choice is, is it failure or was this just feedback and I keep moving? And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should listen to my own advice because I'm feeling pretty oh. about myself. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. but the story is going to be so much better when I can talk about this big giant failure once the success happens. And I realize yeah. that's kind of the pattern I go through over and over and over. Right. And I know that you're very, very similar where it's not like, well, oh, shucks, I tried that and I guess I suck. It's like, nope, I'm just going to keep going forwards and make the story better. But I love, I love the, the, uh, failure or feedback. You know, I love that. I haven't heard that before. And I, I definitely see, you know, for me, I've, my experience has been, you know, the biggest breakthroughs I've had are, you know, at the end of a, of a breakdown, you know, and so, and that goes with, you know, relationships to, you know, to my career, to, to everything. And I think that that's like, you just can't get to the breakdown. Like you can't get to, you can't sort of break down all those limiting stuff by being safe. It just, it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? You can, because I, I've always, and I've been saying this, and this is like the bigger shift for me that happened in uh, 2019. Might as well get into it real quick. We're, we're in it. Let's do um, it. You know, uh, so, you know, 2018, I have a, my, my son's born in April. Uh, I'd worked a teeny bit, you know, the end of 2017, April comes, we're just going to take off, you know, three or four months. And then, you know, everybody says, you know, you have a baby, like all the work comes in by, uh, you know, whatever middle of August of, of 2018, there's like not a ton of work, you know, so where's, where's, where's this loaf of bread? Where's all this money, you know? And, uh, my wife booked the job, Brianna booked the job in, in, uh, St. Croix, like soon out, like four months after we went there and did this movie, we we're like, oh, okay. So it's all flow. Here's a flow. But then it just slowed down for me. Like nothing was happening. And there's a couple little jobs here and there. And, you know, it was sort of the, you know, earning jobs, but not in like my vision, you know, and then like art directing and props and stuff, but not like the directing, writing and acting and stuff. So now we'll just let's fast forward to like June, 2019. And I'm like, 
May, June, July, my balance is down to like $2.32. June, $23.16. And I'm not debting. I'm not like, I'm not, you know, I haven't had to borrow money, but it's just like, it's literally like everything is like right there. And I'm doing so much stuff. I'm hustling. I'm doing the hustling, doing this thing. And it sort of hit me. One of the things was I was much more willing to do the work that was just not scary. You know, I was much more willing to like hustle for the work that was like the prop work, the art directing work and all that kind of stuff. It was much scarier for me to go, let me go ask somebody to hire me as a writer. Let me go ask somebody to hire me as a director. Even though I was doing some of that outreach, it was more like the like the low hum of discomfort. Let me, that's more uncomfortable. It was more, it was more comfortable for me to do shit I didn't want to do than to put myself out there and do the stuff that I really wanted to do. And so that just hit in, in August of 2019. I was like, okay, I guess I got to get like a real job. Like if I'm not, you know, because nothing's happening. And so what does that real job look like? All I've done is production for 25 years. I don't know what, what skills do I have that's got some regular job. And so I started to go, well, there's that or there's like get a job, like get a gig writing get a gig directing get a gig producing something i can see you at men's and warehouse like you're a good looking guy you look good in a suit like that could be a decent job dude, for you now you tell me where were you then just show you show your pictures from the band and way they right? hire you at men's warehouse in a second man that is me and ski car him and i <laughs> together we go in there co-managers we got this uh ski car was a guy in the band anyway um so uh uh but anyway so what ended up happening is i was reaching out to people that could hire me you know, in that capacity while I was still doing this other stuff. And I ended up getting this meeting with these guys that were uh, a production company. And they, you know, it was my friend, Jim Clementi, who was like a F- former FBI agent who worked on criminal minds. And, you know, we were, you know, try to work on projects together. And, you know, I came down, I called them. I said, Hey man, I'm willing to do like whatever it takes, you know, do you need a writer? Do you need a director? Do you need producer? Do you need associate producer? Like I want to get in, I want to be doing something much bigger to provide for my family than to just do this other stuff. He said, come in the office. Let's, let's talk to the CEO, see what they can do. So I have this meeting, talk, end up talking about him for, for 75 minutes. Talk about me for 10. We get in there to leave. He's like, this is the best meeting. Like, I, this is a fantastic. And it was, it was great. It was just, it was, and we were talking about, I was asking him, I was asking about himself. I was asking about his, his wife had just been killed. And we were talking about this horrible situation and what he was going through. And, you know, a week later, I followed up. He said, hey, you know, um, yeah, send us some writing samples. Sorry, man. Yeah, send us some writing samples. So I sent us some writing samples. Um, a week later, follow up. They're like, yeah, yeah, we love your scripts. Come in here. You know, so I come in. They're like, hey, so we don't really have anything. But maybe, have you done like an Audible project before? We're, we're working on some sort of like docuseries. We need like a showrunner, like a writer producer to do that. Would you be willing to do something like that? And I was like, my voice in my head was like, what? I'm a visual person. I'm a director. I'm a writer. I can't. Yes. I said, yes. And then great, great. Well, let's, uh, let's talk next week. And then next thing I know, I'm negotiating this deal to like, you know, write and executive produce this, you know, audible original series. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was definitely in the, it was like in the realm of what my skills were. Once it started, I was like, oh yeah, this is why I'm on this. I know how to connect people. I know how what a story is. I know how to break down a story. I know how to like interview people. I know how to pull something out of somebody. I know how to, you know, write. And, and that was like this huge shift of like, oh, 
for 12 weeks, for 10 of the 12 weeks, I was, I was uncomfortable every day. I actually had, you and I were talking at that time. Cause I had, I bought the program. I was listening to the, t- to the, to your program, you know, the lessons on the way there on the way in the car, I was trying to get my, my, my time, my time in place scheduling had my calendar like my calendar was like um, like blown up because I didn't know I wasn't know what I was doing but like my first week was like you know 27 tasks it was like I had to put everything in there you know meditation the thing my meeting the thing for me that uncomfortable and that was was like it was excruciating and on the 11th week it was like oh 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 this is what I'm doing oh I can I I can do this you know and there was no outside validation for the 10 weeks. No one's saying, yeah, you're doing it right. It was just like, how do I, how do I, I was like, I felt like I was drowning. And the 12th week, I was like, oh, wow, I could do this again. And they came there, hey, do you want to do this again? You know, we'd love <laughs> to do it again with you. And I was just like, really? Because like, you know, that's how I'm thinking the last two weeks. But the first 10, you know, that was so much more uncomfortable than living a life, doing something I don't want to do. You know, which I felt at the time, like, do I don't want to do props. I don't want to do art directoring. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be doing this. Yet I was so used to it. Like I was so used to just like not getting what I want. That it was just like, okay, I'll just do that compared to putting myself out there in the big thing, you know, and then, oh, getting it. And then like, oh, now I got to like move forward. Now, how do I do that? And, you know, really own that. So, yeah. And there's a very, very dangerous word that I teach all of my students, they have to eradicate from their vocabulary, except for the most opportune times. Do you know what that word is? No. Yes. Mm. The problem was you were saying yes to all the things that were easy because no was a lot scarier, right? And no can be the most powerful word to direct you towards what you want. Everybody thinks focus is all about here are all the things that I should be doing. Ultimate focus is about knowing what you shouldn't be doing. And that comes from deep inside where you're thinking, you know what, art directing is great or making these posters or doing prop work. Like I lose track of all the things you've done. So whatever, (laughs) there's just a whole laundry list, but you've decided I don't want to do these things anymore, but you weren't telling the universe that. And you weren't telling all the people hiring you that. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, I got 23 bucks in the bank account. So I better say yes to this art director thing. But if you can just live through that discomfort long enough to say no to those things, I firmly believe, again, it comes back to this woo-woo factor that we can't explain, whether it's religion or faith or universe, I don't know. But as soon as you say no to something, a whole bunch of new doors in your life open up. But God, is it scary as hell. Well, I think, absolutely. I think that there's, and that's what I was doing. I was saying no to that work and, and saying yes to this. And and I would say that, I, I say this a lot of times to people too, when it comes to agents, managers, you know, and actors or writers, directors, they're in like, they're like oh, my manager, you know, they're good, they're nice, they're this or whatever. Then I can talk to people that are like, you know, my girlfriend, my wife, my husband, my, you know, boyfriend, whatever. There's always, you know, it's like, we have to make it, we are the only ones, you know, like in charge of, of our lives like that. And so, so there's a space there's like, you know, in our universe, like a space for all of these, you know, things that these people are taking or jobs are taking. And the minute that we remove that, like, let's say a manager and go, okay, that means I'm not going to have anybody fighting for me and trying to make calls for me, but it's not working. You know, I'm willing to like, let that person go. And that then all of a sudden there's that space, the energy, the universe goes, Oh, Oh, you want something different than that. Cause otherwise 
is just going to keep giving us what we want, what we keep going after. There's no flow. And that goes, I think, for money as well. Like, you know, if I'm like this with my mind, like holding tight, like I can't, I got to, you know, it's like, the universe is like, all right, cool. Well, that's all you want. All right. That's what you get. That's okay. Cool. There's no more room in there for you because I can't give you any more. But if it's just a flow, if it's just like, hey, man, cool. Oh, wow. $7,000 going out. Okay. Well, there that goes, you know, but the flow and then boom. 10,000 in, you know what I mean? It's like, it's this, there is a flow. And I feel like there, that you have to be willing to say no to, like you're saying, like no to this, these things in my life. And it's so hard. That's what I was talking about recently about the fear, about the hustle and the, you know, doing it because out of fear, because if I say yes to those things and there's a thing and I'll, there's a, there's a situation that's in my life right now that I said, no, and the person kept coming back to me and said, you can say, no, it's cool. But like, look, it's this month. It's about this much money. And it's the thing. And I was like, yeah, I, I really think that no. And I talked to Brian and I said, no. And then he came back and said, you know, aren't you sure? You know, and he's really like pushing for it. And I said, well, maybe. And then I just, the whole point of it just felt wrong. It just felt like, I'm just like, what am I doing? And nothing's happened. Nothing's happened with it. But my mind wants to go back and like, oh, I should go check. Like, is it happening? Is it not? Even though I don't want it. Like that's the, that's my mind is like trying to hold on to that. And that takes me out of me getting the more, getting more of the stuff that I do want, you know? So it's like, it's such an interesting, and that just happened a week ago. Like I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still uh, uh, capable of, of, of making those choices that aren't going to help me get what I want because of fear. I was like, oh, right, I don't want to miss that out. It's like good money, you know, even though it's like, don't want to be doing that, you know. I'm literally in the middle of a negotiation right now fighting the exact same battle. So it never goes away, <laughs> ever, right? Everybody thinks you yeah. reach a certain level of success. Your life gets easier and you have less problems. The current problems you have go away. You just get new problems. It's all the same ones. And I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful. I'm absolutely uh, grateful and I have so much gratitude for what I've accomplished and where I am. But people think that it all just goes away. It's just different problems that are more complex. They don't, they don't, it, it's just, it's the same thing, right? And I'm sure it's the same thing for you too, where, yeah. where it's just a matter of, yep, I'm much further along than where I was a decade ago, feeling great about it, but there's still a bunch of problems in my way. Right. Yeah. And ultimately, the problem is always up here. It's that voice. It's like, where is that voice coming from that wants to hold on to these old identities? Right. Which is going to take me full circle to going back to the beginning of the story, which you alluded to a little bit. First of all, anybody that either saw you in video form or a picture and you said that I'm 33 years sober, it'd be like, what, did you go sober when you were like five? <laughs> like, dear Lord, how young were you when you were drinking? So you, you've, you've aged very, very well and taken good care of yourself. But I'm curious, what does it take to even at that whatever young age it was, and you can tell a little bit more about the story of when you uh, became sober, because I think that's really important for this conversation. There was an identity that you had. And every single day, I'm sure even 33 years later, that identity is not gone and you have to battle it, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say I would, it's so it's so interesting. Um, so I'll share this too, because uh, so I had shared that on social media and the 33 years and I got a note, a, a message, a DM from this, from somebody I don't know, doesn't follow me. He had followed a hashtag that I had hashtag the sobriety hashtag. And he said, uh, Hey, just wanted to say, congratulations. I followed the sobriety hashtag, saw your thing. Very inspiring. 
any advice for somebody that's made some poor choices, but, you know, knows that he needs to get his life together. And it's, you know, I, I just, I went, I, I, I just dove, dove in. Like I must've, I must've, you know, you can only write so many things on Instagram, you know, words. I don't know how many words it is, but I had to like keep continuing to write, you know, I had to like write, send it. I was like, wait, what's going on with my computer? It's like, oh no, it's just, so I sent like, you know, probably 10 of these and it just basically broke it down to him. I was just saying, you know, for me, you know, knowing what to do is not enough. Like for me, knowing that I'm not supposed to eat that thing, knowing that I shouldn't pick up that drink, knowing that I shouldn't spend that money when I don't have it. All those things do me no good, you know, just in my head, because my head created the situation that I'm in. Same head is here, the same, you know, doing is it can't, can't come up with a solution. And so for me, you know, growing up, I was, I wanted to be perfect. Like my family, my parents got divorced when they, when I was like nine, I became my mom's like little man. I had to take care of my brother and sister. She expected me to be, she always told me like up to that point, like how great I was in everything. Like I was, you know, I was so handsome. I was so smart. I was so, you know, courageous, all these things. All of which are correct, by the way. I didn't blow none. I, I, (laughs) I didn't believe any of that stuff then. You know what I mean? Because my head already was already sort of in this sort of diseased mind and negative thinking about myself because, you know, all the stuff that was sort of going on. And so to take it to another level where then, you know, getting getting to a place where I was wanting to escape sort of reality, I was wanting to constantly not feel these feelings, you know, and that was always I just I was always like a sensitive kid. Like, you know, if somebody got mad at me, I cried like I could like a fight became like I was so emotional. And so I just wanted to just like just numb that, you know, and that was whether it was like, you know, drinking or video games or, you know, working or, you know, whatever it was just to avoid work hard as a, you know, to get that to get the, you know, get on the football team or whatever it was. And so for me, and, and so I was going to say is like, you know, so because, you know, I had to have this, this idea of being a perfection, I was constantly you know, shucking and jiving to kind of keep these things going. So no matter how much trouble I got in, you know, I was always able to sort of get my way out of it. I would, you know, I can't tell you how many times I got caught doing something, lied about it, and then came back after it was like clear that I like, there's no way that I'm going to get away with this and say, I'm really sorry. I, I was scared and I, and I shouldn't have, you know, and I always got away with it. People would go, oh, he's making, he's, he's, he's taking responsibility when I totally lied and totally, you know, and so what happened was there were so many of those times where it just wasn't working anymore. And I got basically into a corner and, you know, I was drinking, doing drugs, wrecking cars. And my boss is like, yeah, you need help. You know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so like, I'm going to take this week off and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, talk to my aunt who's sober. We're going to, you know, I'm going to get sober. I mean, just like party for a week. Like it couldn't even, like the best thing thinking couldn't get me there. And he showed up at, um, you know, uh, my door a week later and said, you ready to go? And I said, yeah. And I'd been up for like three days. And he said, uh, you're a mess. Like you need help. I already talked to your dad. You didn't go talk to your aunt. I talked to your mom. She said that, you know, part of the deal to you living here was you didn't drink and you've been drinking. So she's going to kick you out. And my dad already said, I can't live with him. And so I was literally like, I have no place to go. And he said, I can, let's, let's go get you. Let's get you into rehab. And I didn't think I had a problem. I just knew I didn't have any place else to go. And so I went and I made it 29 days. 
you know, it was a 30 day program. The 29th day I went to my friend's house to go to a movie, you know, I used my mom's car. I got there and he had like a beer and in front of him. And it was just like, you know, I was like, mm, a little parched. I mean, like a, just a little sip just to kind of, <clears throat> so I took a drink and, uh, and yeah, yeah, cool. So we just started talking. The next thing I know, I just, I finished the beer and then we went and got a six pack out of his group refrigerator from his dad and then we went to this party and the next thing i know i was selling my watch for a line of cocaine at eight o'clock in the morning and i was like wait a second i came for one drink that's all i was going to do and and so when i when i got back to that program the next morning you know i copped to it and you know i was a great example to the other people that wanted to go drink the next day at the end of that 30 days of like what not to do and and that was, you know, September 11, 1988, you know, and I was, I'm grateful that I didn't, you know, that the obsession was finally removed, you know, probably three or four years later. But my journey has been, you know, um, okay, so I take the alcohol away. Like that was just a symptom of my disease, my, you know, like I still, like all those thoughts, all those feelings were still there, you know, and so I found myself like, cutting myself off from relationships. I'd be in a relationship, but as soon as it got too real, I'd be out or I wouldn't commit because I was afraid, you know? And so there was like constant 10 year things where I was like, then I'm in a relationship, like, <laughs> you know, in therapy crying every day because like, you know, she's not calling me back after an hour of like, you know, it's like, I didn't know how to have these emotions. And so having this journey of constantly, you know, peeling away the onions, you know, just as you were saying the why, in what we do for, you know, sort of our vision and our career, the why of, you know, why am I doing this? Why is this behavior still happening? Why am I still having this, this addiction to these negative thoughts? And a lot of it is now just being able to just break it down and just go like, I mean, it's, it's sort of going back to the secrets, like, it's sort of like, I don't know, you know, it's just, I just go like, if I just, if I look at all those things and go right now in this moment, you know, little Eckhart Tolle, you know, power of now, like in the moment right now, I'm great. I have no problems. You know, I can't control any of the stuff I've already done. And I definitely can't control anything beyond the next, you know, now, now, now I'm fine. It's only when I'm like trying to control that stuff, uh, fix things that I've done in the past and make up for that. And, and that stuff is when I start to get like, I sort of open the sort of open this door to all that negative thinking to just jump in there. And I just like, I find it and just go, yeah, that's not real. <laughs> that's not real. It's not real. Okay. So what am I supposed to be doing today? Right. Let me go do that. I, I hear you. Thank you. Voices. Thank you. Yeah. I know I'm a piece of shit. I know. Thank you for telling me. I know. I know I should have combed my hair. I know. I know I should have not had that extra cheesecake. Thank you. You know, and just go and say, I know this is a horrible sense. I'm just going to write it anyway, you know, and that's, that's just that one thing next to, you know, the next step, the next step, and just chipping away, as you said earlier. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for 
for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all of the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. For those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Well, and as you know, having gone through uh, the program, uh, going going through uh, my program specifically, because we're not talking about multiple programs, uh, yeah. but having gone through the Focus <laughs> Yourself program, the one of the very first key mindsets that I teach my students and is one that I have to internalize every day because they say that people teach what they need to hear the most, which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. I'm a coach and I'm sure you are too. Right. Don't pursue perfect at the expense of good enough. My bar for good enough is still way higher than most people's, but it's low compared to what my expectation is. And I've had to learn how to find that fine line because as you said, your perfectionism literally drove you to drink, right? It was that fear of I'm not going to meet other people's expectations or meet my own. Therefore, I need something to numb the pain and the fear and the overwhelm, right? Absolutely. But the drinking was just a symptom. There was a much, much deeper underlying issue. And it's that fear that, again, I think just drives us to to make the decisions that aren't in alignment with why we're really doing what it is that we're doing. And I heard in this, I I don't know if I can believe it yet, but I heard perfection's not possible. But I mean, I'm I'm holding out that it is. I intend to prove people (laughs) otherwise. That's that's my pursuit. I mean, the name of the program is Optimize (laughs) Yourself, right? It's as close as I can get to perfect yourself. Right. But at the end of the day, what I've had to learn is that it's all about how can I look at my choices? Like you said, it's all about now. Right. Um, And there's there's a saying that I've learned throughout this ninja journey. And what we do and we get you can just see on somebody's face when they're ready to like climb a 20 foot rope or swing over like all this crazy that terrifies me. I couldn't have picked something that was scarier for my level of skill. And my I hate heights and water. And it's like, why did I choose this? But again, it's about embracing the fear. But we have a saying that we tell each other and we can see that look in somebody's eyes. We ask them, hey, where are you? And they say, here. What time is it? It's now. And you can just see like, okay, this is all I have to worry about. I just got to grab this bar and I got to swing to the next one. And my hand needs to grab this chain. And then the left hand needs to grab this doorknob. And then that's it. Right. But it's really, really hard to do that when you're so wrapped up. And where is it that I'm supposed to be right now? Where am I supposed to be in a year? Everybody tells me I should be this one thing. Don't be a jack of all trades. Like just the, the voices never flipping end ever. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this question. What haven't I asked you yet? What is it that we really need to talk about that we're here, we need to share our experiences, we're going deep. What is the question I have not asked you yet? Hmm. That is a great question. And it takes all the responsibility off of me. It's a genius question for a podcaster. You can steal it. Yeah, I'm going to steal it. Um, 
Well, you haven't asked me yet, but I know that you you definitely talk about it. But I would I would say, you know, how do I balance this pursuit of my career and being a husband and a father and a son? You know, how do, how do I balance that all? And so then I'll take that opportunity to answer. So that Mark, talk question. to me about how how do you balance it all between the career and being a husband and a son and a father? How do you balance it all? I don't know. I mean, that's that's just, just a gift. No, I mean, I, well, it's funny because why why I it, it's it stands out to me because so I I, t- I told you this this journey about the 2019 and that sort of led to me doing a couple audible projects directing two movies directing TV promos and commercials it was just like this insane sort of you know almost 14 month 15 month period leading it or I guess it was almost 18 months leading us right back into March 12th 2020 you know lockdown happened and so all of last year having my son here no daycare you know and and seeing that the industry you know slowing down if not shutting down completely at times to see how much i was unwilling to be present in my life how much the under the under the making shit happen hustle the mark gant hustle under that under that sort of hat of that what that did was it allowed me to not be present. It allowed me to like disconnect and not feel, you know, feelings, not feel, you know, not just, not just to accept that I'm okay, just as I am. And so, you know, um, there's like this numerology stuff, like number, I'm a number three, which is like achiever. And like, that's like, that's my thing. So here I am like, you know, August of last year of 2020, I'm like literally you know, I can't achieve at anything because there's nothing happening. Nothing is happening. You know, yeah, the movie is going to, that I did is coming out, you know, in September, but like, there's like, like, and I was realizing, oh, wow, I am like, I am obsessed with like my achievement will, will provide my self-worth. And so, so that was like the big thing. So how does this have to do with balance? Because now I'm seeing that I needed to have you know, the only way that I can see my true worth is to be present and be able to see what I'm actually bringing to the world, you know, not what the world is bringing to me. And so that was the shift. And, you know, being able to, you know, I mean, the phone is just like, it was like the amount of time I was like on my phone, on my computer, like I I can just so many conversations, so many like arguments with my wife, you know, and she's like, you're not even listening to me. And I'm like, yeah, babe, I just turned to finish this email. Like that email was the most important effing email in the world. No, you know, and my son wanting to get my attention is like, well, I'm just trying to finish up this, this thing, that thing, like, it's just, there was nothing, you know what I mean? There's nothing that can't be done in 10 minutes to stop and have a conversation and listen. And so it was painful. Another like breakdown, like we had some breakdowns you know, um, all three of us, you know, of being able to just go, oh, wow, none of us are patient. None of us want to just stop and listen. None of us are willing to just be okay without getting the ice cream, without getting the thing I want right now, without getting the, you know, all those things. And so finding that balance of like, my career is my career. It's over here. So now how do I fix that? I get up at four o'clock every morning. 
and I'm like getting my time in before 7.30 so that I've got that time, my work, my writing, anything that's like super important before my son gets up. And now I'm with him from 7.30 till nine, till I take him to school or 8.30 now, uh, you know, that's, you know, I'm there, we're getting everything ready. We're, you know, we're spending time together. There's not, you know, dad's on the computer, dad's on the phone. You know, obviously there's a work thing. That's a specific thing. There's obviously that, you know, that, but we, we work at that. We make that work and, and finding that balance. And that's been, I can see the difference. I mean, my wife and I are connecting on a completely different level, you know, and uh, he and I, and he and my wife are, you know, connecting on a totally different level where we're being able to just say, you know, cause because of that, then you can say, okay, I have, I need 10 minutes cause I need to do this thing. I need 20 minutes to do this. Dad's going to be in here working for an hour. When I get done, mom's on a podcast, mom's doing an interview and you know what I mean? And, but when we're done, we're done. We're not like checking the phone. We're not doing the thing. We're not trying to, you know, it's just like, we're there, you know, and he's involved with this, our chores and he's doing all the stuff with us. And it's not like, Oh, we got to like entertain him. And just, but it's like the fun of being in the moment instead of us trying to like hustle. And so that's been the big thing for me is to really see that. Um, yeah. I want to make it happen but it can't be at the cost of the people around me and, or be me, you know, like it can't be, it doesn't, it's not, it's not me. What, what I achieved is not me. And um, my acting teacher used to, when we used to have cassette tapes, he used to, we used to record the critiques. And so he'd pull these two tapes up and say, so this is Mark, you know, Mark's just did this great scene. People love him. Or he's just did this movie. They just can't, you know, it's like, look, he's amazing. Right. This is the character that he's in this thing. And then he pulls up his other cassette tape. He goes, and this is Mark, the actor who's sitting in class today. He thinks he's this guy that's in the, you know, the movie. And this thing is like, no, that's just that's outside. That's this outside stuff. It's like they look very similar. It's very easy to deceive yourself and go like, oh, I'm that success or I'm that failure. You know, and so to be able to just take it back to saying that tape cassette, that just who I am, you know, I have to be OK if my directing writing career goes anywhere. And that's, that's sort of where I'm at. That's what it's sort of like kind of, when we first talk, I'm in this weird place right now. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's, I've done all that vision work. I've done all that. Like it's clear that I, there's, there's all these things that I want to be doing. I know that I want to be of service to people. I want to inspire people and I'm on a ride. Like the universe and I are all connected. You and I are like the fact that it's like, taking this minute much time for us to get together and be on a podcast together. No mistake. No mistake. It's like, yeah, this is when it's supposed to be happening. 10 years ago, not that important. Five years ago, eh, could have been cool. But now, like the journey that I'm on to be able to connect with you like this, I'm looking at you right now, like connect with you on this level. It's amazing. Because I feel like this, this, this ride at Disneyland, there's like, oh, it's scary. And it's like, oh, no, I'm like trying to turn the wheel. And it's like, oh, wait, there's a ride. What do you want me to do? Oh yeah, I'm supposed to have fun in this moment. The door opens up. And it's like, oh, water, we got sprayed. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I got scared or whatever. So that's where I'm at right now is like in trying to enjoy this ride, seeing that I'm connected to everything and that I don't have to hold on so tight and try to control and manipulate every situation on a good day. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. On a good day. You know, we, we, yeah. we all have the voices that are trying to, to do otherwise, but using that ride analogy, like you're thinking to yourself, Oh my God, we're going to go into this, this pit or whatever. And you're trying to turn it. And then I realize in my mind, Oh wait, this thing's on tracks. 
it's, yeah. it's, it's going to go in the direction that it's going to go in this wheel. This is just a prop for the little kids to think they have some, some level of control. But ultimately, this ride is going to go in a specific direction. And I kind of need to be patient and sit here, even if it's dark right now, knowing that the doors are going to open. God, that's the hardest part. Like, would the person just call me back today so I know I can have control of my life again? Like, would you just give me an answer or would just come on, make it easy for me? Right. Like, I, I don't want to have to be in the dark. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny is like, even when that does happen, like, right. Like I'm waiting for the call and I get the call like, Oh, that, that, Oh, okay. Like it did. You know what I mean? Even then it's like, you know, even like you, like you would say, like you get the job now it's like, Oh, now I got to negotiate the deal. <laughs> now I got, okay, let me get thing. And it's like, Oh wait, now I got to do the job. Now there's like, Oh, they have the pressure. They want me to be doing that. You know what I mean? There's, there's, it's, it's an, I can always find something to kind of say, and it's really difficult to really just be able to say, you know, it's okay that like, you know, yeah, I want them to call. I want them, you know, and, you know, I've actually had this like say, you know, recently, this is very recently too, where I'm just like, I'm not going to text that person. I'm not going to, I'm not going to send them an email because everything in me feels like I need to, they need me to, you know, remind them that I'm out here and this thing needs to happen. And in order for it to happen, it needs to have all, I actually don't. I, I, I actually don't, you know, I mean, again, I'm not talking about specific thing, you know, where work related in a, in a, there's a deadline, like you going, well, I'm not going to call a showrunner to say, you know, our, I didn't get any of the stuff that you, the notes, and this needs to be turned in at two hours. Like, yeah, you call, you, you follow that. But if it's something else where it's just like, you know, that it's not, it's you wanting to control the situation, you know, like you wanting that you want to get the feedback so that you can sort of no, am I on the right track here? It's like, let me just keep going until they come in and say, okay, we're ready to take a look at it or whatever. Yeah. And I, the, the other thing that this reminds me of too, and maybe it's a tangent, maybe it's not. Well, I promise we'll, we'll wrap up soon because I'm a, I'm a big fan of time management. Uh, we've got we've got a few more minutes. Uh, but what this made me think of as well, and I think that uh, both our stories are really representative of this. We have this expectation that this one thing is going to change everything, yeah. right? It's yeah. the one phone call, the one deal. And we think that we're going to put in all this work. And then all of a sudden we're going to make it big. <laughs> and what you realize is just this, these little tiny changes, these emails and these offers and these jobs over and over and over. And I was thinking about that recently. And the problem is that if you ever have a big win, you always want to chase the next big win. And I know that you and I have at least had one big win in our careers. So it's like, I got to make that happen again. I don't know what yours is. I'm going to tell my story very quickly because you were a big part of it. But I will never forget the day. And it's funny you brought him up because I haven't thought about him for a while. But Alfredo called me. I remember exactly where I was standing. I remember who was around me. And he said, hey, Zach, it's Alfredo over Burn Notice. Just wanted to let you know we're super excited to have you on board. We'd love you to come cut our show. I broke down in tears and I couldn't speak. He's like, hey, you there? You all right? I'm like, yep. It's just, it's been a really tough road to get here. Like I couldn't even talk to him. And not once since with all of the opportunities that I've ever gotten, has there ever been that big of a transformational change where I thought to myself, oh my God, I've made it. I've worked so hard for so many years and it paid off. That was in one phone call in 60 seconds, my life changed and I knew it would. I keep chasing that phone call and I want it again. And I have to remind myself, it's all about tiny incremental progress. And I know you suffer from the exact same affliction. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I have like, you know, it's so funny. I mean, when you were telling that story and it's, and which is why I brought up Alfredo, because I remember the story you told me and, uh, you know, 
Uh, and I know, you know, I know intimately all the the journey that it took for what you did, all those, like every one of those steps, you know, to get there and how you did it. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Bannon was one of the, was like one of the first stepping stones for me where it was like, I, you know, I realized a couple, there was a couple moments in there where one, I was like, Jesse and I were at the, at, at Sony at the table before we sold it. And they're like, we were there pitching 32 people like this massive conference room and like Jesse and I were one end with uh, Jesse Albert, our agent and everybody else sort of like, there's like two empty chairs and then like 32 people and uh, Eric Berger and Michael Stratford and Michael Ross were all three at the end over there. And uh, so we're all talking and uh, you know, we're all excited. We're pitching it, da, 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 you know, and then somebody, you know, said, so, um, you know, we, uh, we, we, we saw, we, we really love, you know, the trailer and the, you know, the two episodes that you guys did and, uh, you know, uh, no offense, but we just, you know, we just want to ask, you know, uh, are you open to have somebody else, you know, play Neil Bannon? And before I could answer from a booming voice from the end of the thing, Michael Stratford like slammed his hand down on the table and said, there's nobody else that can play that part. That part, Neil Bannon is that guy right there. And there was a moment of just like, I'm getting the chills now thinking of it. It was just like, wow. like he he saw like we knew we had to create something for him to see it to be able to like believe it we couldn't just pitch it and it had to be enough like we had to we had to make something to show people like that was it and we kept that was our thing the whole time make, making that and then thing it's like you know you're directing it i'm acting it there's no other option like that's the only way we're going to like make this thing happen you know and i hear people you know still do that today trying to you know focus on that and it's like yeah but you got to show them you can't just like write a piece of paper and go here's the thing i want to do like can i do that and that moment was such a huge thing for me of uh, i walked out of that room and i was like holy shit somebody like saw me somebody saw the vision that i had and there was no doubt whatsoever that never came up ever again they were replacing people all around me we wanted to have different, you know, that the last minute DVD cover need to have these different people. But that was something that was just such a huge thing for me. And so, you know, those are those things for me, where for me, what happened is after that was like, the next thing, well, then I have to sell this as a TV series, you know, and then, you know, that whole process and just after, after it wasn't an, an initial thing happening, then I went to like trying to make 50 other shows, anybody else that like basically came to me and said, Oh, I love the band away. I want to create this project. I said, yes. And I had like 25 projects that I didn't care about, you know, because it was just like, I'm just trying to like, get the next thing, get the big sell, get such a big thing. I'm and you know, Brian, you know, being a, an actress and director as well. It's like, you know, we've constantly been saying that and not just writer. It's just like, it's, it's so easy for us to just like, you get the one thing. And it's like, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't just own it and just go like, this is great. This, this is great. Because it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if it's this, it's going to move up to that. Like money, how many ratings, how many views, how many this, how many call, you know, like it, do, it doesn't matter. The yardstick is constantly moving. You're constantly moving it. And so, you know, it's such a, it's such a challenge to be, to be like in the process. And I think that's, you know, like you with American Ninja, it's like you're in the process of it. You know what I mean? There's no, you know, like, the minute that you that you get to the certain place, it's like, yeah, but I didn't win. You know, I need to, you know, it's like, okay, but well, you got to a place that most people could never get to. 
You know what I mean? And so how do we, you know, embrace that as uh, in the journey, you know? Yeah. And that, that's been a, a real struggle for me that I have to constantly remind myself of. If I'll put a video up of me doing, you know, some crazy pull up swing lache thing or whatever. Um, I've had people that, are, that have said, dude, you know, you're an editor, right? Like, when did you become Spider-Man and all this stuff? And my initial reaction is, oh, no, but you don't understand, right? Like, that's cool. But there's this other thing that I really suck at right now. And I'm like, stop it. Like, yeah. here's an idea. How about instead respond with, thank you. Right. That was really nice of you to say that. And I really struggle with that because immediately when somebody wants to give a compliment, my immediate response is, yeah, but you don't understand. I still suck at all these other things, right? And that both is really exhausting for yourself, but it's also, you know, kind of insulting to the other person that just wants to to really point out what you've done. And that's that's a hard thing for me to, to grow into because, again, like you, I've, I'm what I call a recovering perfectionist. Yeah. Right. I'm constantly have to remind myself that I don't always have to be perfect and it's okay to fail. Uh, I just prefer to fail as fast as humanly possible so I can get to the success. Right. Yeah. But I got to fail over and over and over as fast as I can. But every once in a while, I have to be like, you know what? Thanks. You're right. I couldn't do two pull ups when I started this. And, you know, now I'm banging out 15 as a warm up. But I forget that. I forget that part. Right. And I think everybody does when they're on that journey. They just keep looking forwards. They forget to look in the rearview mirror or look at the odometer and say, "Man, I've been I've been on this journey a lot longer than I thought, and I'm doing okay." Well, it's, and, and if you don't do that, then you're not you're not enjoying the process. And that's where I get again, where I feel like you're then not being of service to the project. You're not be, you're not you're not bringing all your talents and everything to that certain thing, that, that task that you're doing. If I'm if I'm if I even in that situation, I'm constantly thinking all the things that are not are wrong with it because X, Y, Z, and it's not going to be that great. Cause the thing I want is not happening in the thing and this, but, or, or as soon as I get it, it's like, Oh, but then this is going to fit on. This is my thing. Like if I get this, then it's going to lead to this. Cause if I'm going to get to things, we know like with the business, it's just trying to like, okay, this is going to move my career to the next level. There's a part of me that's like not in, in that project. There's a part of me that's like, well, it's not as good as that project up there. So, you know, any that, you know, kind of thing. And then that's like when I'm finished and I've like delivered this thing and people, the, the people that wanted it are going like, wow, this is fantastic. I, all I see is the imperfection and how it's not, you know, I mean, I've literally done like you and I've like, you have been so gracious. To, I think you've watched a cut, at least one cut of every single project I've done. And I have indeed. You have. And and I say at least once, because I know you've seen several more than three or four times. And, you know, it's to to be able to say, I'm getting better, that I'm, you know, that that, that this process is to the next, you know, I'm I'm doing what I can and it doesn't have to be like, oh, oh, I was gonna say that's what I was so I was like, I'm in this process, and then I like go watch it like Star Wars, and I'm like. Oh, my movie's not like Star Wars. Um, it, it's never, it's never the men, you know, it's never going to be as good as that. You know what I mean? It's like that. Why would I go see Star Wars in the middle of post-production on my movie? That's like the worst thing. That's like that sabotage of like doing that thing because it's like, oh, it's not that. And that allows me to just, you know, poo-poo on the thing that I'm, you know, I'm doing just because it's just like, that's, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, but see, that's like a dirt. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that it's, you know, it's such an important thing to be able to, to enjoy this process as I'm doing it. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you remind me of a story that I don't know if I've ever told another human being in my life, but Hey, we're here, we're recording it. We're on the record, but this reminds me of a story. I so vividly remember this. Um, I don't know the year. I'm sure if I looked it up on IMDb, I would know the year, but I, I saw 21 grams in the theater 
all by myself. So I'm guessing it was what, like, you know, mid 2000, 2005, 2006, somewhere in there, right? Um, and I was still very much at that part of my career where I had some success as a trailer editor. I'd done like one or two really low budget indies, but asking the question, am I ever really going to make it? And I started crying watching that movie because mm. I felt so sorry for myself thinking, <laughs> I want to be doing this. Why, why don't I get to work on stuff like this? Wow. And I look back at that now and I'm like, you idiot. Like you were a child. The guy that edited that was an Oscar winning editor. And you're all upset about the fact that you didn't get to edit 21 grams. Cause it's one of my favorite films of all time. It's so Mine brilliantly. Too. You edited. know, it's my, one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, I think you and I, we did a short together and I scored it with like all 21 grams. You're like, Oh yeah, of course. Duh. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite films. And I just sat there crying, feeling sorry for myself. Why am I not doing this stuff? And when I look back at that now, I'm like, seriously, like just be patient. And like you said, trust the process, but you got to keep going. That's the key. If you quit, then you fail. Yes. Right. Yeah. So on that note, is there anything else, any final words of wisdom or advice that you want to give? And the person specifically that I want you to give it to is going to require a time machine. You're going to jump in a time machine to September 12th of 1988 and you get to talk to yourself. What advice mm. are you going to give yourself? I'd say you don't feel like it right now, but you are enough. And that if you keep putting yourself out there, if you keep failing, trying to do what you want to be doing, you'll find that you'll have some peace in your life, that you're actually doing something that's of value to the world. And it may not be in the moment, you may not feel like that's happening. And you think you want something that's outside of yourself. But if you can acknowledge the, the small, tiny little wins that you've done, small little things, you know, the little step up, the couple steps up, couple of steps up the mountain, then uh, you're going to be okay. And guess what? It's going to be a fucking hell of a ride. And you can either choose to have fun or you can be miserable the whole time. And I'm going to say, I'd go for the fun. Nailed it. I, <laughs> I, I, if I had gotten in a time machine, I couldn't have given you even half as good advice. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Um, on that note, uh, if you've done your job and I've done my job of inspiring people today and somebody wants to connect with you because you've inspired them, how can they find you and connect with you? My On social, I'm at Mark Gant. Everything is at Mark Gant. And my website is Gant. Dot com. That's really complicated. Yeah, I tried I mean, to complicate it. It's really it difficult. Yeah. yeah. And that's <laughs> M-A-R-K even, you know what I mean? I don't even mess with that, you know? Yeah, you don't even mess with the spelling yeah, or anything yeah. else. Uh, well, this is uh, an interview that's, uh, I think, 11, 12 years in the making. I'm not sure. And like you said, it needed to happen when it happened. And something tells me that a lot more is going to happen after it as well. And there might, might have to be a follow-up in the future. But um, I, I put this one on my calendar and I'm like, I'm I'm going to enjoy this one. And I knew I was going to need zero preparation. I did nothing. <laughs> I was watching television 60 seconds before I clicked the connect button because I knew how good this would be because we didn't need the prep because we've got over a decade's worth of prep. And this was beyond a pleasure. So I cannot thank you enough for your time and everything that you've done to inspire me and just being a good friend and everything else. And, um, you know, to uh, another 10 to 20 years of us uh, making it happen. I can't, I can't wait, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. 
If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.